here want to say. Welcome to Woman Unplugged, a podcast of encouragement for today. Let's talk about the everyday matters of life, womanhood, motherhood, marriage, friendship, and more. We're all new to this thing called life. We've never done it before. Tune in to this podcast and be encouraged, inspired, restored, find new joy and purpose as you grow into the woman you are called to be. Let's go. Hey everyone, this is Rosalie Elliott. Welcome to episode number two of our podcast, Woman Unplugged. I'm so excited that you could join today and I hope you find great encouragement and inspiration in today's episode. Let's get started. I titled today's episode, Rest in Peace. Requiescet in pace. That's Latin for rest in peace. You are going to die. Death. The end. Time is running out. You have two more weeks to live. What would you do if you received that verdict? What would you say? Who would be the first person you tell? And where would the first place be that you go? How would you live the next two weeks? Who would you want to spend your remaining hours with? Well, I have something to tell you, sweet friends. You are going to die. And soon. It could be tomorrow. It could be in two weeks or 25 years. You don't know. I don't know. But it's going to happen. So, how are we going to spend our time? One day, your body will breathe your last and your time on earth will be over. The word death is not one we like to hear or talk about. While it is so real and so near, we like to avoid it like the plague. Why does it cause such a deep fear in us? Why does it cause such an existential fear? Death is real and it's creeping at all our doors. If I'm honest, it scares me. There are many things I'm afraid of, and that's something I think God is trying to help me with. I operate out of fear so much, and yet he says in his word that love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And he repeatedly tells us that in scripture, saying, don't be afraid. Yet, I wonder when will I die? A longer while ago, I started noticing the numbers 7 and 23. That happens to be my birth month and day. And so I would look at the clock randomly and see 7, 2, 3. The number would pop up over and over on random occasions. So silly me, I know. I started wondering if that meant something like, was that the day I would die? I know that might seem silly and superstitious, but those are the thoughts I had nonetheless. I wonder when I will die. When will my husband die? What would I do if I lost him? What would I do if I lost another child? How will I die? Will it hurt? What would happen to my daughters? Who would take care of them? Would they be damaged for life? Who would keep them safe? Hug them, wipe their tears. Would my husband remarry? And honestly, even as I've been preparing this podcast, it got me emotional. And then for a very long time, I felt very confident that I wouldn't die anytime soon because I knew there was more work for me to be done here. But when I, a season of my life began where I felt broken and useless, where I felt like I had missed my life's purpose, I got scared that I was disposable, that if I wasn't doing ministry or achieving great things for God, somehow doing something, that my life wasn't as important. 
Friends, that is such a huge lie. A big part of our driving force in life is caused by a search. A search for love, a search for meaning, a search for purpose or identity, a search for answers. And God created us for a relationship with Him, to love Him back and to love one another. And yes, of course, when we're in right standing with God and in His will, which, by the way, is the safest place for us to be, then good works will automatically follow, naturally, just like a healthy tree will bear fruit in some way. But first and foremost, we are made to love God and each other, and in doing so we glorify God, which is our purpose. So those thoughts and feelings like I need to make sure I'm doing enough for my life to have value and worth is false. My worth is based on the one who made it. A painting or sculpture becomes special and priceless because of the one who made it. If God is the one who made you, what does that say about you? You're his masterpiece. You are of such value, and so is your life. Regardless if you're here for 5, 25, or 85 years. Okay, so that all might sound nice for the life we live down here. But what do we do with that inherent fear of life ending? What to do with death and the uncertainty that comes with it? It's real. And if you're honest with yourself and actually deal with the topic, you might have quite a few questions and feelings too. And then you have people who aren't afraid, who are at peace either at the thought of death or in the face of death. How? Why? Just a few days ago, a 29-year-old man on his way to work married, recently finished college, was hit and killed while riding his bike. This was just down the street from where I live. I can't imagine what his wife is going through. He's gone. He's breathed his last, and he will not be coming home to her anymore. And when I saw the rest in peace cross and the balloons and the things that were placed there to remember him, it made me want to cry. I've been thinking about this incident quite a bit. The topic has been on my mind so much that I decided to postpone another podcast I had planned. Why? Because time is running out, and we don't know how much time we have left. I say this in hopes that a healthy fear will awaken in you, not to cause you panic, but a reverence. A reverence for death, a reminder that our days are fleeting, so we can gain a heart of wisdom. Fear of God does not mean being afraid of God. He is a good father who is calling us all into a relationship and into reconciliation with him. No, fear of God means reverence and respect, just like we would respect a good and loving father. So a reverence for death is healthy too, because it's coming. In Psalm 90 verse 12, we read, Teach me to number my days, that I may gain a heart of wisdom. God does not want us to live in fear. He wants us to live life to the fullest. What does that mean, though? What does a life of fullness mean? Riches? Freedom of suffering? Constant happiness? We all know those things are inevitable in life. Some will suffer more than others, but no one is permanently happy. At some point, we lose something or someone. At some point, we hurt, we cry, we suffer. Why did this man have to die at 29 years of age and others get to see their great-grandchildren? I don't know. But death is inevitable, 
And because it's so scary to many of us, we run around desperately looking to find the meaning of life before we die. Some live recklessly, thinking the maximum fun can be achieved by looking for the greatest high. A constant search for adrenaline. A longing to feel like if you got the most out of this experience we call life, then maybe you did it right. Others, on the other hand, live in fear, afraid of everything and anything, because it could mean death will come knocking sooner than planned. And yes, of course, if someone drives recklessly, chances are higher that he or she will get into an accident. Obviously, we understand cause and effect, and would call it foolishness if someone put their hand on in the fire expecting not to get burnt. Fear can be beneficial. Caution is healthy. Wisdom is best. But either extreme of constant fear or reckless carelessness seems to be a waste of the few days of life we do have, don't you think? So, what's the answer? What's the solution? A healthy middle. What does that look like, though? What does balance look like in regards to death? Don't drive too slow or too fast. Eat healthy, work out, but what if I still get sick? Look left and right before you cross the street, but what if a drunk driver hits me? Balance in life is important. Even scripture says in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 16 to 18, Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked, and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Avoid either extreme. But when it comes to death, it seems to be tricky though. For none of us know when our day will come. Death is something feared by most, yet we don't talk about it enough. You are going to die. So where can I go to find the answer? Well, the answer is in following question. What comes next? What comes after death? If there is nothing after life as we know it, why were we made in the first place? Are these 60 to 80 years in average on earth all that there is? Is some god or cosmic force playing a joke on us? Did we evolve from some species only to run around looking for the meaning of life and a higher purpose, only to figure that out right before we take our last breath, or maybe never figure it out? And if there really isn't more, why are we so desperate for meaning? Why is eating, sleeping, and working not enough for most? Why do we want more money, a nice car, a good relationship? Why so desperately swipe through a dating app in hopes of finding someone who would love us? And even those who claim not to care about love and only looking for a moment of pleasure, surely they must realize, if they're honest with themselves for just a moment, that it leaves them feeling empty. No matter how beautiful the woman, how handsome or successful the man, something feels empty the next morning. Believe me, I know. So what's the point? You're not taking any of that with you. Why do we long for fame and views and likes? Life coaches, counselors, and therapists are in such high demand because there is this widespread hunger for more, for answers, for wholeness. Why care for those in need, those that are abandoned and outcast? If there's nothing more to life, why not just live for ourselves until it's time to go night-night for good? 
And yes, some people do live like that, selfish, only concerned about themselves. But something tells me they're not happy either. And those who do care for those in need feel helpless at times because there is only so much we can do while we're on earth. You are going to die. I am going to die. We so frantically live like we were made for more. Because, friends, we were. We were made for more. There is more. And if there is more, where can I find the answers? There is a powerful sermon transcript by John Piper that I encourage you to read, and you can find the information in my study notes. And this transcript on uh, death by John Piper, he says that we have to deal with death. Deal with it and deal with it a lot. Death is inevitable. Millions of people die every year, and no other religion has good news about death. In Islam, there is no good news. It's a gamble. Muslims are basically crossing their fingers, hoping for paradise. Hoping that if they prayed enough and in the right direction, fasted consistently and kept the commandments, they will find favor with God. Buddhists have no good news. Buddhists' goal is to accept the cycle of samsara to reach nirvana or enlightenment. Hindus don't have any good news. They believe in reincarnation. Life and afterlife is part of a great illusion and the soul is not liberated. There seems to be no rest, just recycling. Atheists don't have any good news either. If there is no God, then there's probably not much to come after death and therefore no good news. John Piper goes on to say, the world wants to run away from death because no one has good news. In every other religion, I find mankind's desperate attempt at reaching for something greater than themselves, longing for hope that there is more to life, something after life. Nowhere do I find anything else except mankind's attempt at reaching out for God. Except, my sweet friends, except in Jesus. He is the only God who actually reached out to mankind. And not only did he reach out, because yes, other teachers have done so too. They've tried to instruct and help people. But God not only reached out, he also experienced death and conquered it. Every other leader, every other teacher, all the wise teachers of the earth have died. The only one who came back is Jesus. He died, defeated death, and came back to life. He deals with death so we don't have to taste its sting any longer. The gospel of Jesus is all about death. Jesus Christ died. He dealt with it. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in him. 1 Thessalonians 5.10 So what will we say to him when we stand before him? What will he say to us? Honestly, I often struggle with the concept of heaven and hell, particularly hell, because an eternity of damnation for a lifetime of sin seems pretty intense. And I honestly don't wish that on anyone. Well, when I think of people that have hurt children or killed the innocent, I do have second thoughts. Suffering sounds just. But for eternity? It's a good thing I'm not God, because I don't think I have a good idea of justice and grace. What I do know is that I too have committed horrible sins. I've broken every commandment, either with my words, in my thoughts, or with my actions. 
I have fallen short of God's glory. You have fallen short of God's glory. And even if you're not a murderer or thief, any sin you have committed immediately makes you less than perfect, which God is. And no one imperfect can dwell in his presence. God is love and he is just. And anything less than perfect is just that. There is no point in comparing sins and we've all missed the mark. Atonement was needed. There had to be a consequence. Someone had to pay the price. And only in Jesus is there a God who loved us so much, who is so good and gracious that he gave himself as that sacrifice. As the one who bore all of our sins and shame so we could go free. That's love. And I do understand that God did give us a free will. If he did not, it would not be love. We would be puppets. It would be compliancy or manipulation, but not love. But God does love us, and he longs for us to love him back. And if someone tells God all their life, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want you. I've read an interesting statement that basically says that hell is God responding and saying, Okay, God will honor your choice, even if it might break his heart. I do know that he's calling and pursuing you to change your mind, coming after you, fighting for you. And maybe even the fact that you're listening to this podcast is yet another way of him calling out to you. Maybe God is trying to say something to you like, Son, daughter, I love you. I made you with the purpose. I know you don't understand everything and that's okay, but I love you. Come home. Trust me. I'm good. I'm holy. I imagine God saying, I've made a way. Look at Jesus. Look at the holes in his hands and his feet. He did that for you. He was obedient to me because I love you so much and I don't don't want to spend eternity without you. Come home. Just imagine God saying that to you. Sweet friends, time is running out. And some people might ask, well, why the pressure to decide if I want a friendship with God now? What kind of God is that who forces me to believe in him? Otherwise, I'm damned for eternity. Well, let me ask you this. What kind of relationship is it if you want nothing to do with someone and then suddenly when you're in need, you want their help? What kind of marriage would it be if one spouse never cared, was never invested and rejected the love they were shown only to then want the benefits and all the property after the divorce? Now, crazy enough, Even though we are often that selfish and loveless, God still pursues us. In his word, he says, Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. Not after you decided to follow him or once you opened your heart to him. While we were still sinners and wanted nothing to do with him. He is calling us home, sacrificed himself for us. But death is the final call. It is a door into the new. And God is not man. He can't be fooled. We will reap what we sow. So we do have to make a decision. That's, that's only just. That is love. Healthy love. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53 verse 5. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down his life for his friends. John 15 verse 13. So when you're faced with death, face the cross. 
Christ's death on the cross is our hope as we deal with death. Life in death. Life after death. Hope in life and hope in death. Because of what Jesus did, you can live. You don't have to die any longer. There is more to life. And while the questions about life and death are still scary sometimes, and we don't know when it's our time to go, what reassurance to know that when we do, we can go home. Home to that good Father who is waiting with arms wide open, who will wipe every tear from your eye. To a place of worship and rest, true peace. Now, if that isn't comfort, if that isn't hope, I'll take that hope any day. And that's what faith is. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. The hope of the gospel is that Jesus changed death for good. John Piper goes on to say, Jesus changed death from an experience of grieving without hope to grieving with hope. Hope in a glorious life after death doesn't change the fact that it hurts, though. And it hurts a lot. When we lose a loved one, it's devastating. There are no easy answers, and it's okay to cry. I believe it's necessary that we grieve. When I lost my first daughter, Melina Rose, in 2011, I was devastated. I was so broken. I fell into a dark hole, one of the darkest times of my life. I felt guilty like it was my fault. My arms longed to hold my baby. I cried and cried. I wondered if she was okay. In general, it was a very dark season of my life, and so holding on to the hope that I had believed in before, that I had professed to others, that was not easy at all. I remember being in the car with a dear friend of mine after we had gone to this worship service at a church, and I was so hungry for a word from God. I felt so far away from Him. There was so much sin and crap in my life, and I thought God was punishing me by taking my daughter. That was not the case. Miscarriage and stillbirth is a very painful thing, and I want to talk about it some more in a different podcast. If you've gone through this, you're not alone. And so as I sat in her car, I remember breaking down at one point. I had been on survival mode, working, not really telling people how I was suffering. And so I broke down in her car, and what was she supposed to say? There were no easy answers, no phrase that could make the pain go away or bring my baby back. Melina was not coming back. The se- that season of my life feels like a bit of a blur now, but I do remember that she let me cry as I opened up about my pain. That's all she could do. She was there for me. She loved me and walked with me through that season of life. She was one of the most consistent friends in my life, and she stayed my friend since then. She didn't judge me. She opened her heart up about things she was struggling with. So, friend, if you know someone who has lost someone, allow them to grieve. Sometimes all you can do is just be there for them, hold them, check in on them, stay with them. And if the opportunity presents itself, remind them of the hope of glory that we have access to in Jesus. Death can mean hope. It can mean a joyful homecoming because of Jesus. And while I still miss my daughter, and I was even just crying yesterday because she would be about eight years old, My hope is that Melina is at peace, true peace. She can rest in the arms of the everlasting. She's okay. She's safe. And I longed so much to know she was okay. 
that even though I can't, someone is taking care of her. And who better than the one who gave her life in the first place? In Jesus, we have that hope, that death is the beginning of paradise, as John Piper says, that it can mean a happy homecoming, fellowship with God, eternal life and an act of worship. Dear woman, please listen. Please ask for a soft heart if there's something in you that's pushing against what I'm saying. Open your ears and just allow God to speak to you. You were made for a time like this, and time is running out. Only in Jesus can you truly rest in peace, here and now, and then once your time on earth is up. That's my hope, and that's hope for you too. When I go, I'm going home to be with my Jesus, the one who tasted death, felt its sting, kicked death in the face hard, and conquered it for good. That's my Jesus. Now that truth changes what will happen after I die, and it also changes how I live life now. As Stacy Orico sings, there's gotta be more to life. Yep, she's right, there is. Let me end with the words that John Piper said at the end of his transcript on death. He said, I close with just the same exhortation. Deal with death. Never be far from it. Deal with it often. Because it's never far from you. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, Jesus said in John 10 verse 10. Say that in the face of death. Don't say it naively. Only when life is nice. Say it in the face of death. Hugh Martin said, The gospel, sir, is that you have no right to go to hell. If you do so, you go there trampling upon the Son of God. If you or anybody you talk to goes to hell, they go there trampling upon the blood of Jesus, which was shed to deliver them from hell. You have no right to spurn him. Don't add that rebellion to all of your other rebellions. Speak of the glorious gospel of the Son of God crucified for you. We have the best news in all the world. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 54 to 58 says this, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, I'm saying, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Yes, sweet friends, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? That is true hope right there. So true that we can truly rest in peace in this life and in the one to come. Thank you for tuning in, sweet friends. Please share this podcast so others can hear the good news and be encouraged. And don't forget to leave a review. I'm grateful for your support. And if you want to dive in deeper to this topic, feel free to check out the study notes. Resources are listed there too. You are so very loved. This is Rosalie Elliott with Woman Unplugged. Until next time.